0: so much. I just praise you because it just shows me how frail I am. I'm wasting away, God. There's a reality behind it for all of us. But inwardly, being renewed renewed day by day. What a glorious joyful hope, Lord. I have so much confidence in that the Holy Spirit lives in each one of us. And as I get a more and more with you, Lord, I just let go of all of the stuff, and I don't care anymore. I can't see, I can't sometimes walk, can't sleep, my legs hurt, whatever, God. I'm so happy I know you, Jesus, and I think everybody in this room can say, amen. amen. So just help me to, to help other people come to meet you. That's my whole purpose, is to get people to know you, Lord. So in the name of Jesus, with my frail lips, mere words, turn them into yours. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we are, and I'm in John chapter 4, and I put this thing on uh, the the board here, and I want to read, I'm reading a book, Oswald Smith, and uh, his book, Endowment with Power. So he says, Oh, my friends, we are loaded down with countless church activities, while the real work of the church, that of evangelizing the world and winning the lost, is almost entirely neglected. And then he says, In this chapter, I think it would be beneficial to ask why our preaching and witnessing lack the desperate zeal. And I think that this is why the very first two words of Paul I pray. It lacks it. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so you'll have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. And uh, when uh, TV Thomas came last week, I wanted to just add on to I just wanted to take his ten things at the end of my message, and I want to go through it, because TV Thomas is not a flaky man. He's been doing it for 45 years with the Christian Missionary Alliance. He's the head of the national office of, of a, as an evangelist. So he's not a flaky guy. I just want to take what he said, those 10 points, at the end. But I have to be faithful to the text of what I'm preaching. I'm preaching through John 4, 1 to 19. Okay, And this is my, what I wanted to share, how Jesus interacted with the outcast. Okay, this I have to be faithful to the text. How Jesus interacted with the outcast. Now, this is what we need to do: is we need to really know how to deal with people out there. Most of us are fearful, but we have the truth; they have a lie. So here we go. John four one to nineteen. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she, said, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. First, I want to tell you, Jesus intentionally connected with this woman. This is important. This is really important. I never saw this before. He intentionally connected with the woman at the well. He just didn't, it wasn't just a a bypass. We think it is? No, 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 no. It's not. Let me just share with you why. Why? When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? I want you to know something. Just think of it this way. I started thinking about this. We are dealing with a man, fully man, fully God. So he's fully God. He just, he, he, he fed 4,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. And then he fed 4,000. Here he is sitting at the thing, and he could have done anything. He created the oceans, the rivers, the seas. He created everything, Paul says. Everything came through Christ. He created it all. Here he is sitting here, and he asked the woman for a drink. Do you see the humility of Jesus Christ? He did this in order for him to intentionally have a connection with her because he, he could have got a drink any way he wanted to. W- am I correct in saying this? If he is God, he could have done it, right? Yeah, Do Anything. He could have done anything. He's the living God in the flesh. So he's intentionally connecting with her. And you've got to remember, too, another thing. Listen to this. This is really important. Samaritans, or women in general, I had to check this out, Jews never, ever talked to women alone. That was a no-no. And Jesus went across the boundaries. You don't talk to Samaritans either. They They were unclean. And Jesus crossed over the boundary of racial prejudice and he started talking to the woman. He's our perfect example of crossing over and talking to transgender, homosexuality. uh, Every person that you have a problem with and you, ooh, Jesus isn't like that. Not at all. He is with the street kid. He was with me when I froze in a snowbank and he spared me. He is with you when you're going through a rough time. No matter how you act in front of him, he is with us, because it shows us he's with the outcasts. All of us need to understand that Christ is not the way you think he is. Like uh, we, he's way different than us. Way, way different than us. We have so much judgmental judgment. No, no. Let me just rephrase. I have so much judgmentalism within me, it's ridiculous. And if you think I'm a good pastor or a good evangelist, I am not. Because I'm, I am I'm so quick to judge people. Fast. But Christ is not. And that's what blows my mind: that He crosses over the boundaries of racial prejudice to reach that woman intentionally. It's marvelous when you see him. He's a—he's the greatest soul winner you could ever have. The best. This is my favorite story as an evangelist. This—he is the prime evangelist. Not preaching to her, just going after that woman, intentionally connecting with her. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to challenge everybody in this room. We need to intentionally connect with people. I'm not saying people... Look, you could waste... There's one preacher that has it right. You do not waste your time on green apples. What do I mean? Sour ones. I agree, too. You don't waste your time. Why? Because there are people that are the remnant of Almighty God that are red, delicious apples. And you go after them. My life now is to be led by the Spirit who God has chosen. We waste our time on just throwing it out. And then all of our time is wasted. And this guy will never come to the Lord. I'm not saying we don't sow seed. But I'm saying we need to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that he leads us to the remnant. Do you believe there's a remnant? There's a remnant. That God has chosen, He's the Lord of the harvest. And He says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers out into His harvest field. He knows. We do not think He knows. He knows. God help me, lead me to the lost. Should be our church motto. Give me burden for the lost. Yeah, have a burden. Pray for the lost. But when you run into someone who is so ready to be picked from the tree and you get him, you go, oh, I just love working with you, Lord. When you see somebody changed in front of you, it blows your faith away. It makes it grow. Because you know you can't do that. Only God can change a human heart. And I've had it happen in front of me, and I want it again and again and again, and And again, because my faith grows. It doesn't grow playing church. It grows being the church. It grows. You can sit all here all you want, but it really grows when you're in the battle, when you're fighting, and you see God work and defeat the enemy. All of a sudden, joy rises up in your heart. Something happens when you start doing what God wants, when you start reaching who He wants to reach, not who you think should be reached. But who should be reached by God? God has a plan for everybody in this church. He has people who you want to reach. He wants you to reach. You believe that? Has to be true. He's sovereign. It's funny, you know. He connected. And he just kept on connecting with the woman in 10, eh? Look at this. He just kept on doing it. The Samaritan woman said, this is where, he says, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? He crosses over. Look at this. He kept on trying to connect with this woman. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. I want you to know something. You know, that I see Jesus, the way he connects with people is absolutely not like, but I'm learning. I am learning. I am learning, it, especially in evangelist. And an evangelist is to equip the church to share their faith. That's what an evangelist is. It's lost. T.V. Thomas is right. It's gone. They treat the evangelist like a pastor, but he's not a pastor. He's to equip the church to share their faith. And the correct way. Not like all over the place. There is a strategy here. That where we win people for Jesus. It's true. And his strategy is the best strategy that you can ever have. Do you know what it is? He, you know how he, he started to you know, get, connect with her? Questions. Look at, Here, give me a drink. He connects with her. Then he goes another question. What did he say? If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, he, he asked her a question. If you knew. I want to tell you something truthfully. This is the best way for evangelism. Just Truthfully, is not to shove it down their throat and God, I'm so sorry, I blew it in this area. As an evangelist, a, tr- a person who shares their faith needs to be a person who actively listens to the other person who's lost. And we have our agenda that this is the way they're going to get saved. No, it's not. You, all of us have to listen not only to the person, but to the Holy Spirit who's speaking to us how to reach the person. And this is evangelism. This is what Jesus did. And then the Holy Spirit, what he will do is he will give us questions. He won't, give us the, he won't give them the answer because then they will shut down. But He will give them questions so they open up. You can see Jesus doing this all through His ministry. Questions. There is a question for every law, every person who's a remnant of grace who gets saved. There is a question, hear me now, a question at the right time, in the right way to a person that you can connect with from their heart. And the Holy Spirit knows that question. And that's what you and I are looking for when we're dealing with lost people. We're listening to them. We're trying to get where they're coming from. And then we're listening to the Spirit of Almighty God. And then when he starts to put the question into your mind, that will be like a bomb in their heart. That's happened to my ministry when I've been listening to the Lord. When I listen to God, honest to God, it's like an adventure. When I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and I don't give a care, I'm in the malls. it's like a radar. And this is what I want you to say. You think I'm nuts? This is for everyone. This is not for just some special people. The Holy Spirit's been given to every person. And he's saying, rely on me, and I'll send you into an adventure you can never imagine. Or you will waste your time if you do it on your own. Evangelism never was knocking on doors. It's for the Spirit of God as our partner. The Spirit and the bride say, come. It's not just the bride. It's the Spirit and the bride say, come. And the bride, me, maybe you guys, I've been doing it on my own. Oh, it's been wonderful compassion, and I'm feeling so sorry for the people. It's doing nothing. No conversion. Getting harder. God really wants us to be effective soul winners, truthfully. And we can only do it through the Holy Spirit of God. I have so much to learn in this area because I'm looking at Jesus. So now, when I finish this message, from this point on, I'm not joking, I'm going to listen to the lost and I'm going to ask them what the question is for that lost person. And if I don't get it, I shut up because it's not my time. Somebody else can do it. Are you with me? It's really important. Really, really important. Listen to Tozer. Listen to this. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Worship is pure or base, as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most amazing fact about any man is not what he, has given, is not what he at any given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like when he's winning lost people. What is God like? Now here's a good question. Always are, I, I just want you to remember this question. If you're dealing with a lost person and you know that they have a little bit of something's going on inside, ask them this one question. It'll unravel. It, it might not. It might not be God's timing for this person. What is God really like for you? You ask somebody that question that will bring you into so many areas of spirituality. Because they do have a concept of God. Everybody does. Everybody. So ask the Holy Spirit, please give me the questions. Don't let me tell them anything. Don't, 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 it's almost like, you know what I've done in my, my mistake? Knowing I think I know what they need. I don't know what they need but I know God knows what they need and now I have to use the Lord as my instrument as he would use me to try and reach people this is new i I mean I've done it before you know like you do it periodically but I want to do it now living by the spirit I want to do it where I'm winning people before I go to heaven lots of people and so do you you have listened the Holy Spirit came on you, and TV was so right. The Holy Spirit has come on you for one reason only, that you'd be a witness with great power in the Spirit. That's it. That's what when Acts 1.8 says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my, and that's it. Power in service, power over sin. That's what he's here for. You know, it's funny too. These questions that I'm saying, this is, if the person who's in charge, the person who's asking the questions, I know this even with you guys. As soon as somebody starts asking me questions, they want to be in control. I know that the person who's asking questions is the person in control. That's why Jesus did it. He was always in control. He asked questions. He even asked questions to his opponents, the Pharisees. He didn't want to lose them, right? Jesus never, ever hated the Pharisees. Let me get that right. He had compassion on the Pharisees, and the only reason why he talked the way he did was it was a hard and a firm word. He had to shake them. He asked questions to the Pharisees to connect with them. He wanted to connect. Some of them did. Name, Name one. Nicodemus. Smash! Sometimes the word is so heavy; it's like a hammer. Bam! At the right time. At the right time. Let me. And and it's fun listening to Christ. Listen to this. Listen to Jesus. This is fun. It's almost like he. I don't know what to say about this. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, "Question." What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. He said to them, How is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? Can you figure that out? You know what's happening? The Pharisees taught that Jesus was the son of David. They mixed it up. He was half. He was from the line of David, but he was the son of God. So they mixed it up. And so Jesus went after them. Because right there, the Lord said to my Lord, what is he doing? The Father God said to my Lord, Jesus Christ, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your feet. He challenged them. Let's see your theology, if it's correct or not. He questioned them. He was trying to win them. Anybody, everybody see this? Maybe it blows my mind. All these questions. Even Philip the evangelist. He did it too. Acts 29, 35. How many of us in this room with winning people, Hey, even our own people, right even here, how many of us really, truthfully, honestly, I'm going to just be honest. This is a verse that really convicts me. Quick to listen. Finish. Slow to speak. The, oh, so convicts me. Don't even say that verse. Slow to speak. I have made so many messes with this. Quick to listen. I am am convinced that because I'm talking so much God says I can't have your ear he wants our ear and the only way he's going to get it is we'll be quick to listen and slow to speak and we can hear him I know if we're active listening you watch your evangelism pick up with the lost they want someone to listen to them even if we don't got the answer they just want someone to listen. This is where I have to really change my whole view of evangelism to listen. Quick to listen, slow to speak, to the lost. Even, even Philip, if you read this thing, okay? a questions again, always asking questions. Even, even if you go to a doctor, what does the doctor do? Now, you know what's wrong. Tell me what's wrong with that. I'll tell you what's wrong. The doctor, he'll always, yeah, always. Where does it hurt? How many times does it hurt? Does it hurt here? Why don't we do that to the lost? If they're sick and we are not, well, we are, but if we have the antidote, why don't we ask them questions? You ever wonder? Why do we know it all? Do we really know it all? We think we know it all. It, humility is rooted in listening. And, and to love somebody, really love somebody, which I'm not there yet, is when you really listen to that person without going all over the place. And listen. You're saying, I love you. You win people like that. Even his life, even Philip, he's called the evangelist. Look at the way he did it. Look at this, and this is the Spirit of God. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading, Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked, how can I, he said unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch, look at this, asked Philip now. Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. First question, do you understand what you're reading? He didn't tell him nothing, did he? Do you understand what you're reading? And then what happens to the guy? Who's he talking about? And then he tells him it's Jesus Christ. This is the way evangelism is, It looks like biblically. Jesus did it. Philip did it. To connect with people. I, you know, I'm going to tell you, I'm so convicted in my heart. You know what I'm convicted with? And I do have to, I told my wife this. You know what I think I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to, this is what I think I'm going to do. To connect with people. There's a, a, what do they call it? A board of directors in our condominium. And I got, we got 16, 18 floors. And there are so many people. They call me. This guy comes to me and he goes, you're a pastor, eh? I said, how'd you know that? He says, well, I'm taking a Bible college course. Would you help me with the Old Testament? And so I went and helped him on Friday. I don't know if he's saved. But I'm going to be part of that board of directors because, you know, the manager came to me and said, I think he'd be good for this fit. You can call shots. I'll meet people. I will connect with people. See, I'm missing the lost now in my life. Pastoring is cool, and I do like pastoring, but I'm missing this. So I'm going to go for board of directors. I'm going to get on that board, and I'm going to knock on the door. Hello, I'm part of your board, and I want you to know I'm Pastor Miles. And if you have any spiritual needs, just phone me. You think I'm joking? I am going to do that because they're going to give me the authority to walk around that condominium. (laughs) And I'm going to take it. Amen? Amen. Find out how to connect with the lost. Honestly, for all of us. Find out. Find out. Me, I don't have a job like uh, Steve as teaching or anybody in this room. But I'm telling you, if I get on that board of directors, look out. And not only that, I'm going to start winning people. I know it in my heart. Because it's the way you listen and care for the people. So here you are. I'm going to connect, right? And so Philip connects. Jesus connects. So what's the next thing that Jesus does when he connects? You know what he does? He creates interest in the woman. That's what we have to do. We connect and then we create interest. This, this is really, really, really where God gives you wisdom and the Holy Spirit leads you. Because there is something that where they're interested in, but you've got to find it. It's like buried treasure. And you've got to wait. Jesus did this. He created interest in the person. He asked questions. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? See, Jesus asked questions. Now look what the woman's doing. Like Philip, member of the eunuch? He asked questions. Who are you speaking about in the Bible? Look at what she does. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Interest is being created. Interest. And he's doing it. Jesus is doing it by his questions. And then the biggest one is this is the biggest one of interest is when he goes, the woman goes, this is where it goes from here, it goes from contact or connection, it goes from interest, and then it goes into what? Desire. And I'm telling you, my friends, when you, get, when you have a good handle on evangelism and you know how to win people and you become effective with the Holy Spirit, what happens is Jesus, what he did, is he had her interest because she's asking questions. So what he did is, and I, I call this, maybe I shouldn't call this, but I call this the juggler vein. <coughs> maybe I should, the juggler vein. He went after her. He, he's gentle, he's kind, but I'm using it as a, a metaphor. Jesus went after her. Because as soon as she said, Where can you get this living water? Then Christ, he goes, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. So then all of a sudden, he, see, God will give you the right word, just like Christ. He'll give you the word, and just at that time, he'll give you the word, and it'll create an intense desire. And he goes, But everyone who drinks this water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water. Look what she does after that with this intense desire. Thirst. The woman said to him, Sir, what? Give me this water. This is the way it goes. Connection. Interest. And then he'll give you the right word and then they'll give me this water. Give it to me. I had it happen many times with lost people. You do it right. You don't push yourself. You're not overbearing or anything, and you do it this way. You connect, you give interest, and then you give the right word. All of a sudden, it creates an intense desire. Where do I get this stuff? Where do I get this water? It's amazing, man. His his method of evangelism is the best because he's the Lord. And and another thing, too, is in in Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 4, it says this. Do not awaken or arouse love until it so desires. This is so important because there is a time when it's just percolating in a lost person. The desire. Somebody else might have came by and did this. And you just come in and pluck it. We're all in a team. I'm going to preach through John 4. And it says, sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping in John 4. We all have a part to play. You sow, I reap. I reap, you sow. Whatever. We're all playing this part. Everybody's in it. But when you come across someone where you reap, and somebody comes into the Lord, oh, so much joy. So much joy. And then, you know, you get desire, and then what does she do? eh? When you have a desire, oh, yeah, and this is where I made a mistake. Oh, yeah, just invite Jesus into your heart. It's okay. No, it's not okay. You have to really, really listen to this stuff, because now Christ, what he does is he goes like this. I'm going to go, watch. Give me this water, right? Okay, look at this. He told her, go call your husband and come back. If I know anything about Jesus, we go one way, law, other way, grace. He's right in the middle. Right in the middle. He knows when to, boom. I'm learning. But he does know. He never let this woman off. No, he loved her. But in order for her to get the living water, She had to clear out some stuff. She had to tell the truth. Confess. True confession. And he opened her up. For her benefit, not his. You read this. He told her, go call your husband and come back. That's opening her up. He's just opening. He opens all of us up. All of us in this room. Christ will ask you. I bet you that woman had that stuff down for, you know how long? Everybody has that stuff. All of us. And we think we're holy. God starts talking to us, man. He brings stuff up. Am I wrong? It's down. And just one thing he said, go call your husband. I have no husband. And then what does Jesus say? You're right. You've had five and the husband you're, and the person you're with is not even your husband. What you have said, what did you? What you have just said is true confession. She truly confessed. You know what God's really looking. You can be as upset as you want with me right now, and God can see it and say, "I'm not honored. It's phony." You hear me? Me too. That's why it's so important to have a clean heart with true confession. True. I just went through it with somebody. Lost it. Then I knew I was wrong. And I knew I had to say, hey, I'm sorry. And I knew I was. Because it lifted this thing. Was with me. But true confession, I'm not talking about just to get a band-aid over it. I'm talking when God really deals with you and he says true confession leads to freedom and living water. Everyone needs to get into this. Trust me. This is not a one-time deal. I'm going to read something to you that I learned from Oswald Smith and I'm going to finish we're going to do communion. I think I don't want to lose you. I just want you to hear this. This is something I've learned. I've been struggling so much with this confession thing. Let me read this to you. I've been struggling so much, but I finally got it. Finally. for the, I know what it now. Listen to this carefully, please. Because it's been twisted in the Christian church by somebody I'm not going to say who. It's been twisted. And I had a big check. I couldn't figure it out. I've been asking God, show me, why am I troubled by this confession? And finally, Smith, Oswald Smith. I got it. He had it. I didn't know he had it. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, I heard somebody say, that's not for the Christian, it's for the sinner. I was troubled with it. So he, listen to this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Sin confessed is sin forgiven. Sin forgiven is sin cleansed. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 1.7. Here it is. Note, if you will, that it is the Christian and not the sinner who's told to confess his sins. God never tells a sinner to confess his sins. First, listen to Why? because it would be impossible for him to remember them. He might remember some of the outstanding sins of his life, but there would be thousands that he would forget, and if he has to confess one, then he has to confess all. Are you getting it? Please hear me, are you getting it? You tell a sinner to confess his sins, that's Listen to what he says now. This is what really hit me. In the second place, if we were to tell a sinner to confess his sins, we would would be putting salvation on a basis of works. And salvation is not of works, but by faith. When a sinner wants to be saved, you do not tell him, him to get down and start working by confessing his sins. You simply point him to the Lord Jesus Christ. All that a sinner has to confess is that he's a sinner. And that he needs salvation. The publican cried, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Luke 18, 13. He did not confess his sins. He simply admitted that he was a sinner and needed mercy. Does that make sense to you? Can you say amen with me? This is important because it's coming into the Christian church. Heresy. Heresy. And I need to, as a pastor, start to directly deal with this stuff. Let me finish. However, when it comes to the Christian, true confession. Don't come up here. Me too. When you have something against somebody, don't take this. I'm saying it in the name of Jesus. Wait till you deal with it. This is holy, and he did it for us. He's not saying, don't come, but he's saying, let me help you. Let me help you. This is what he wants to do. However, when it comes to a Christian, it is entirely different. The Christian who has backslidden and has gone off the road must return. Christian in Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress tried to go on but found that he had to return to the crossroads where he had slept. There he found his scroll. God will speak to us. People know already when they blow up with God that if they're very close to the Lord, they know it. They know, and they fight. Who's with me, they fight God. They fight him inside. God says, you're the sinner, you're the man, you're the woman. I want you to just confess and I'll cleanse you and we'll be clean together. That's for the Christian. That's why we have communion. We have the cross, the blood of Jesus. And only then could he go on his way rejoicing. Only then. God cleanses you, you're free. free. It's so simple, isn't it? We make it so tough. It's hard. When the flesh, who said that? Ryan, you're right. When the flesh rises up, man, only the Holy Spirit can help us to get out of that. Turn to the Spirit of God if you're fighting this. Confession, then God is saying, this is what you've done wrong against me. Not against your brother or sister, me. And let my spirit help you come to confess truly and take the blood and take the body and I'll forgive you. Are you with me, church? We all have this stuff inside of us. God wants a revival. He wants to revive us. He doesn't want us to play church. He wants us to be the church. Would you agree or am I off? I have to confess. When I had a problem with people, the first thing I'm going to do if I hear God and know, you're wrong, you're wrong. Two nights ago, you're wrong. I could hear him and I was fighting. I was, as a matter of fact, there's other person on the other end of the room, I tried to get that person riled up. Honest. I wanted it, that person to come after me. Isn't that scary, the flesh? That ain't the body of Christ. That's what's inside of us. It's a warring, wild beast. And you might not say it. See, Tim is very quiet, and I'm very out there, right? But Tim's got the same thing I got. Is everybody with me on this one? It's okay. We're all the same. We're sinners. But not just sinners. Helpless sinners. And God is saying, I want to help you. I really want to help you. Confess. Truly confess. I want to help you. I've given the Spirit. Turn to Him. I'll give you power to overcome it. Sorry. So it is with the Christian today. Some besetting sin in his life turned him aside and got him off the road. We blame it on everybody else, but we have to look inside and say, this is me, God, against you. He must confess that sin before he can be right, God says. If we Christians confess our sins, the sins of the Christian, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Again, the sins of the Christian. Anything that is wrong in the life of a Christian must be confessed. God will never pour out his spirit on the flesh. Sin and spirituality cannot coexist. The Holy Spirit will not occupy a dirty heart. If you're struggling right now, it could be this, grieving the Spirit of Almighty God. And when you grieve the Spirit of God, you can say anything to anybody, but that will not go away. That's a grief that he puts into your heart, and you go, oh, I feel so sad. Because God will not lift it until we confess it powerless give me a five five i I was trying to find a word i was trying to find honestly god it's powerless it's powerless it's powerless to try this in your own strength when you want to confess you won't confess in the flesh you can't it's impossible we need the holy spirit all of us in this room and most of us live without the spirit of god not on sunday but through the week That's it. I'm stopping. He said it right. I'm not going any further. Good ending. That's exactly what I meant. And I just want you to know I, I love this church, but the Lord loves you more. Tons more. Here's ten things reach lost. I don't even think I'm at that point. I could feel the Lord shifting it. If you confess your sins, you will automatically be a personal soul winner. I'm not talking about today. I mean every day you're going to be confessing. But there's a there's a there's a refreshment in it. Am I off? There's a refreshment in it where you're not faking. Am I off? Where oh everything's okay. Here it is. When you go up and take the communion, I'm finished. When you come up and take this communion, I want all of us to pray this prayer together. Now, if you don't want to, and I don't want to be overbearing as a pastor, because that's very wrong, but I want you to do it. No, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, but I would love you to think, read these words. And if you think that you can ask God, the Holy Spirit, for help with this, then let's all do it together, all of us. When we take communion, I'm not dictating whatever way the Holy Spirit, but there is stuff in our lives that need to go. It needs to go, if you want to be really filled with the Spirit of God. So I'm going to give you time. Come up, take the body, the blood, go back, think it through, and let's do it all together as a body. I got stuff in my life. You know what really hurts me right now? Is that I got stuff in my life and I'm sharing the thing with you like this, and God is saying, you make sure you deal with your stuff too. So I'm, You're not alone, man. I need the Holy Spirit. So here we go. Put your safe belts on.